you're living in the street, um, time and dates are not that important. You try and live from day to day and probably have the end of the month, month in sight somewhere. Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. I love when I have the opportunity to talk with fascinating people and learn how God has met them along their way. Everyone has a story, and I believe that we can all learn from each other's journey. Through my work as a television producer, I get to interact with some of the most amazing people making an incredible impact for God's kingdom. In this episode of Along the Way, I'd like to share with you part of my journey. I have a fun app on my phone that I check every day. It's called TimeHop, and it reminds me of those along-the-way moments in my life, what happened a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, whatever it might be. If there's a picture or a post that happened on that day, it's going to bring that up, and it's going to let you know what happened that day that many years ago. This last particular week, the last week of June, brings up a lot of very interesting memories for me. Two years ago, my grandfather passed away. He was 98 years old. He was a World War II veteran. He served as a fireman in his community for many, many years. He had five children and 10 grandchildren, and I am one of those. I am grateful for the memory of my grandfather. He's the one that instilled a dear love of ice cream in all of us. Although I think it was probably already there. He just wanted an excuse. Seven years ago, I became an employee at Cornerstone Television Network, and that was the fulfillment of a word that God had given me. Ten years ago, I was in Cape Town, South Africa, finishing up my school for radio broadcasting with Media Village, and that was a life-changing experience for those three months that I lived there. This year's momentous occasion was my 1,000th episode of the Real Life program as a producer. It is a privilege and an honor to be working in television for the kingdom of God. It's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of hard work, but it's totally worth it to be able to reach people in their homes or wherever they might be with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is part of my mission to broadcast the gospel. So I want to tell you a little bit about the story of how that became my calling in life. In 2004, I was a young missionary with Youth of the Mission Pittsburgh, and I was looking through the University of the Nation's handbook to see what other courses that they had available around the world to learn other opportunities for ministry. I saw that in Colk Bay, South Africa, there was a school for radio broadcasting, and something within me jumped. I was so excited that there was a school for radio, and I was really interested in that. I prayed a simple prayer, and I said, God, if, if this is something that you really want me to do, I would like to meet somebody that has been through that school, or even check it out myself. And then I kind of forgot about it because I didn't know anybody that had ever been to South Africa. And I thought, that's just not going to happen. I'll forget about it. A year later, I had the opportunity to go to Cape Town, South Africa on an unrelated trip. But the school for radio broadcasting was just a few kilometers away. And yes, I'm using kilometers because it was in South Africa. God had answered my prayer that I had even forgotten that I had prayed. Not only did I get to visit the school, I got to meet the school leader. And God brought me halfway around the world to do that. When I came back to the United States, I was certain that I was going to go to the next school that they offered. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. The next time that they offered that school, I wasn't available to go. The next time I was available to go, they weren't offering that school. 
And that kept happening for four years. I was getting very frustrated. And sometime in 2007, 2008, I had a moment with God that gave me hope. I was frustrated. I felt that God had forgotten about his promise, that he didn't care about me anymore. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's how I felt at that moment. And so I was just telling God about my frustration. And then I heard God say something to me that I'll never forget. Google the history of radio. And so I was obedient. I did. I went over to a computer and I Googled the history of radio. What I read was amazing. In East Pittsburgh, a few miles from where I grew up, KDKA started as the first commercial radio station in the United States. The first broadcast ever was on November 2nd, 1920, and it was the election results of the presidential election that year. But two months later, something incredible happened. It was the first time that the gospel was ever preached on the radio. There was a church service in Pittsburgh that was broadcast on the radio for the very first time, January 2nd, 1921. When I read that the first time the gospel had ever been preached over the airwaves was January 2nd, I pretty much started crying. January 2nd happens to be my birthday. Many years later, of course, but January 2nd nonetheless. I felt God say to me something that has stuck with me ever since then. John, I have called you to broadcast the gospel, even to the date of your birth and the location of your birth, I have ordained you. I knew that God hadn't forgotten me and that he would get me to that school in South Africa. 2009, I finally had the opportunity to go and I was loving every minute of it. I had to do some really awesome programs and assignments and a lot of homework and it was a crazy three months, but I learned a lot. One of my favorite projects that I got to do for that school was a documentary. And so I had to create a documentary about something. And so I was seeking God about what to do. And then I met somebody on the streets of this quaint little harbor village, Kalk Bay. I met a man named Danny who was homeless. And I decided to tell his story. I titled this program Between the Lines because... I like to see the story that's between the, between the lines as you're reading and the things that you might miss when you aren't paying attention. That same theme is still very strong in my life today. Now, the theme music that I use is actually the same music that I use for Along the Way. Right now, I want to play for you Between the Lines, the documentary that I did 10 years ago this week. Hobos, Vagabonds, Vagrants, and Street People. These words can conjure up images of dirty people asking you for money as you walk by. In this edition of Between the Lines, we will look at the life of one such man, and maybe next time you walk by, you will have a different view of these people. Between the Lines. I'm John Matarazzo. As you take Main Road from Cape Town, South Africa, and head to Cape Point, you will find yourself passing through a quaint little harbor town called Colk Bay. Colk Bay is known for its gorgeous Indian Ocean coastline, little specialty shops, restaurants, and resort hotels. The streets really come alive on weekends when vacationers come to play. It is a popular spot where you can see whales as they migrate. One thing you might overlook during your visit is a small community of street people. 
This is the story of what a day in the life of Danny, who pleasantly calls himself a happy hobo, looks like. Hi, I'm, I'm Danny, and I'm a hobo. Um, things have just worked out that I have no place to stay. Um, I have nobody to, to look after me as such. Try and deal with circumstances every day at 7 o'clock. I get to, I get to the laundromat, um, try and get clean, be clean all day. Um, go to the uh, bakery at half past seven, they open up and they sell the previous day's bread at half price. Maybe there's a pastry or something. And then probably approach um, the people on the way to work for a, maybe a cigarette. Still ambition to get all of the first cup of coffee. Maybe if it gets colder later on, one can go and buy something warmer. Um, look for opportunities. Today I need to make a phone call. Somebody had offered a few rands in to distribute pamphlets. I have to phone him up and make arrangements to meet him somewhere. That way I know that at least at the end of the day I'll have a few rand that could carry him out for tomorrow morning. Maybe buy some soap and things that I really need and sustain myself and still be presentable for somebody that could offer a, a work and get a place again and um, start building up again. Sometimes when, uh, when I see one of the other people need, street people need, need a shirt and uh, I found that I just give the shirt away. Um, I know that just a few rands you can buy another shirt. With a look of excitement in his eyes, Danny approaches every day. He knows what he has to do to survive, but he is not just looking out for his benefit. He tries to help others as much as possible, no matter who they are. Before this recording took place, Danny and I sat down at a shop where he insisted that he treat me for a cup of coffee. Today I was very blessed. I uh, walked early to the station. I was going to ask somebody for a cigarette and I walked past a car place and I saw a hundred rand note lying there. And um, I was so grateful for that. And uh, could afford me to buy some soap and maybe one or two luxuries, toothpaste or shampoo, that's a luxury. <laughs> get to the pie place and maybe probably eat something more substantial and uh, have transport money, go to Cape Town and maybe see a place, uh, employment agency or something. And Yeah, I dished out um, the day before yesterday, I dished out some pamphlets for somebody. Um, he hasn't paid yet, so hopefully today when I phone him up, he'll be able to see me and give him more pamphlets and uh, I'll get some money from then then. And that will um, pay for my laundromat and um, and so I can put at least 30 rand a week away so uh, that I can have transport money when I get a job and get clean and rest it out. Danny didn't say exactly how long in total he had been living like this, but he does keep moving from place to place looking for work. When you're living in the street, um, time and dates are not that important. You try and live from day to day and probably have the end of the month, month in sight somewhere. Danny kept stressing the importance of planning for the future and looking for opportunities, wherever they might be. One of the more difficult aspects of the hobo lifestyle is acclimating to a new area. Danny is quite used to this. He has traveled throughout South Africa like this, and he was eager to share. When I got to Kalpai, the first stop was the laundromat. Um, I was determined to find a job here. I find myself in Kalpai now. It's close to sea, and there are some opportunities on the fishing boats. Maybe watch some windows. Um, go to the shops and, and offer to clean the windows. And when I got to Kalkbay, I realized that I need to build up for the times when I do get a job. Um, 
I'm going to have to sustain myself for a month until the first pay. Uh, one needs transport money to get there every day. And the first month, people watch. Uh, you have to really, really give your best and deliver and get to learn um, about the new work. I'm aware that I have to put some money away that when I cannot ask people for money and I have to see myself and sustain myself for that month until payday get to work every day clean um, well rested and quite able and to focus on on the work and what has to get done but the circumstances now dictate that I ask for money to find out where, where one can find cheap place to stay or one can get a cup of soup or a bread or something um, so that I don't have to use up that money and put it away for the month when I, when I do manage to find a job. My new friend explained to me about the hobo lifestyle. Hobo lifestyle, it's, it has various levels. The permanent people all see themselves as permanently hobo. By saying so, I, I mean the people that have lost all hope, all ambition, and they just are waiting for some, something to happen and living day by day, probably from from the one bottle store visit to the other one. That's a hobo lifestyle as such. Uh, the permanent hobos and the temporary hobos, some people don't really have a drinking problem or addicted to any substance. Um, and they are seen by the other hobos also as lucky. Um, but the other people won't see them really as one of us. But hanging in there and getting a cup of coffee and um, maybe earn some money to get some other food and you never know when your clothes are getting stolen stolen or um, what you've just bought might just be get taken away so you have to be constantly on the alert and see see what transpires if one is going to improve their life one must find work it gives a sense of dignity and danny enjoyed telling me all about it i did some painting job and um, there was a place at the night shelter where I, uh, I did some tiling work and I got 200 rand um, for that. And it was really, really hard work and we had to deliver for that, for the 200 rand. But it's it's job well done. And uh, we had some improvements done, uh, put in a door. Uh, first time in life I had put in a door, but I managed to to get some information from a local library. On the rainy days, one always goes to the library and get out of the rain for a while and read the newspapers and check the adverts and see whether there are any opportunities. I would rather take a more permanent job that pays less than a temporary one that pays more. We took shelter from the rain in one of the Kalkbase shops where Danny is a regular. He was greeted by the staff with a smile. Getting out of the rain sometimes, one comes in, in the air and while away time look at the new old stuff and uh, try and think of um, think ways of the, making some stuff and you know um, and sell them again for the times when I yeah when one has money together to to make something else one must always keep on improving of yeah, situation and you know one constantly looks at ideas of making something to be able to sell it again and uh, one always always think of the time when if I'm sick get sick or ill or something I must be able to sit and make things so I won't be able to have to 
go and back outside and, and look for a rainy day. Yeah, around about four o'clock, five o'clock, one must make sure that I have 10 rand together to, to pay this and night shelter here um, that I can go to. There's a warm bed um, and a plate of food, and that's clean. And um, the people are, are welcoming, and there's a social worker that um, if I have any problems, I go to her and discuss it. And um, mostly unable to find work on behalf of the people, but from time to time, people phone in for work and people that need workers they need for the day. And um, this was opportunity, and if the social worker thinks that one is able to do that job that the person that phoned in wants. Tonight, I'll know I'll have food and I'll have a place to stay. And there's some duties that one has to do there, sometimes clean the toilets and help with um, uh, cleaning uh, dishes and stuff. And uh, tomorrow morning, uh, one has to get out. I have to get out there before eight o'clock. And uh, it's not allowed to go back there during the day if it rains, only tonight um, at four o'clock when the gates open. And um, if one had been earning money, you pay the 10 rand and 10 rand for the night. People donate clothing and uh, from time to time they hand out the clothing. It's always grateful and lucky to have been, these places are full most of the time. I was lucky to have been able to find a, a bed at this time. It's good to be there now. The Haven Night Shelter is a place where Danny currently stays. Ingrid Jacobs is a social worker and manager for the Haven Night Shelter. She shared with me her passion for helping the people at the shelter and how they do so. Our vision is that no person should live on the streets. Our mission, however, is to get people back into the community. Um, from a social worker's point of view, we take people that are destitute. Whenever they enter the shelter, I then enter into a contract with them and work on an exit plan. We prioritize and then also strategize as to how we're going to meet the exit plans. At the shelter, we have different programs in place. Um, we have group work, we have skills training, we also have religious services also for them to build themselves. And then we also have excursions where we build group cohesion and teamwork. If, however, it's difficult for people to get them back onto streets, say, within a matter of six months. And then I always say it was important that you move at the pace of the client. If, however, I feel that the person needs more time, I would then uh, apply for an extension. When they come here, they, they're broken. I, I use this, uh, the shelter as a place where we pick up the pieces. Um, there's a lot of anger because, yes, they are hurting. On the other hand, we need to reconstruct family relationships. And we also need to find employment for them and then be able to, to afford accommodation within the community. And looking at the, the Cork Bay community, it is quite a lot of money. However, there are people that we assist with disability grants, or be it social pensions. Those people, um, we either have them admitted to a, a facility where they can be taken care of in the event of them being frail, or we take the older people to old age homes. I asked Ingrid about the different types of work that the shelter helps provide for people. Yes, the Ratepayers um, Association of Cork Bay employs uh, shelter people to do the street cleaning project. And they get paid in uh, a daily rate. Um, there are also the Cork Bay um, Corkies, fisheries, um, who employs of our staff, paying them 40 rand an hour 
She told me also that people come from all walks of life. Oh yes, in fact, I think you'll be surprised the people that we have in the shelter. We have people with degrees, professionals, that just because of the wrong choices in life, but it's professional people um, that have just made the wrong choices in life and find themselves here. I also asked her, how do you start helping the people? Like I say, it's important when, when the person enters the shelter, I then, uh, the first question that comes to mind, you want to know what happened, why do they find themselves in the shelter? And we, we start there and we, we, um, I, I look at what is it that you want to achieve and where do you see yourself in a few months' time. If, however, there is drug abuse or alcohol abuse, we make use of Alcoholics Anonymous. There's also support groups where we take them to. And then we also make use of um, Alcoholics Victorious, um, where we uh, refer people. And from there, um, we've had quite a lot of success stories where people today have found gainful employment and are back in the same, main, in the same stream that they um, uh, found themselves in years ago. And that's really, um, we have quite a few success stories. Before I left Danny, I asked him to tell me about his plans for the future. Uh, I have some major ambitions, things to do still, and, uh, but we'll see. It's here and now that matters, and uh, this is how I'm dealing with the here and now. I have nothing and nobody to blame for it, just the wrong decisions at times. Um, uh, but um, the way out of the situation, it calls for careful planning and um, sober thoughts and some um, revelation. Be grateful for the little um, things that happen. Um, make sure that one grows, and it's still a growing process. That at the end of it, you will have grown as a person and, and become a better person, hopefully also financially better. <laughs> and, Between the Lines was written, produced, edited, recorded, and narrated by John Matarazzo. Every time I listen to that story again, it reminds me of things that God taught me while I was in South Africa and how my life changed for the better. When I went to that school in South Africa, I had the intention of becoming a DJ and just playing songs and talking in between them. And then I came to love telling other people's stories. I took the same things that I learned in my documentary and I decided that I was going to apply them to the videos that I was making for the missions trips that I was leading. And one was okay, the second one was better, the third one was really good. I was using narration and telling stories and it wasn't just the same old video that I used to do. Those missionary videos eventually led me into the world of television. And now, just this last week, I've produced my 1,000th episode as a producer. I am very blessed that I have the opportunity to tell other people's stories through media, through TV, and now through podcasting. And I am so excited for what's to come for this Along the Way podcast. I have several interviews lined up and ready to go that I still need to edit, so I'll get to those as soon as possible. But just this last week, I had the opportunity to interview three more people. Ones that I wasn't even planning, even. Just this last week, God provided some really awesome interviews, and I can't wait for you to hear. Doug Stringer, from Somebody Cares International, and author of several books, he calls himself the Asian Forrest Gump. 
His stories are remarkable. I can't wait to share them with you. Another person that I got to interview this week was Kara McLeod. I've had her on Real Life many times, and she talks with me about being stormproof and how God has led her through various storms and trials in her life and how God taught her through storms in the Bible. You're going to want to hear what she has to say. Another person that I didn't even know before I had the opportunity to interview was Anna Kendall. Anna and her husband Fred have developed the seven life languages, and she talks about the communication IQ and how we all can communicate better. I also have Dr. Reg Marias, and he shares a story of how God healed him from autism. These are all stories that I can't wait to share with you. So be on the lookout for more episodes of Along the Way. Thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please rate and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at my website, alongtheway.media. You can also email me at johnalongtheway at gmail.com. I always enjoy getting feedback about how my Along the Way journey is helping you. I hope that you've enjoyed this part of my journey, and may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way.